You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm your host, Bill Bymel. Today, we have a very exciting guest, husband and wife, Brian and Laura Emerson. I met Brian a few months ago when we were out looking for potential investments, opportunities, and came across him. He has been a independent investor for 30 years, and he runs, he's even runs events out of New York for many years where investors would meet in person quarterly or monthly to review potential opportunities. Originally living in Houston, though, when COVID hit, he decided to make a major change. He and his wife, Laura, actually moved full time to off the grid to Alaska, 40 miles from the closest road. He has to fly a plane in. He has to have seven, eight months of food supply. And it's just a fascinating story. More importantly, just the makes you realize what opportunity lies for those of us that think outside the box. And certainly off-grid living, getting back to nature, this all plays into, you know, what a lot of people are thinking today. So enjoy your listening to Brian and Laura. I find them to be fascinating people. And they have a great story. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please subscribe. Hope you'll join the journey. You can always find me online at billbymel.com where you can register to attend one of my live webinars or an event that I might be showing up at soon. But in the meantime, thanks for being a listener of the Real Estate Lowdown. Here's my interview with Brian and Laura Emerson. Brian Emerson, thank you for being with me today. Bill, it's great to be here. I love your podcast series. Thanks for including me. You know, thank you. And thank you for saying that. You know, when you and I met just a, a few months ago, I was really fascinated by what you're up to. And, you know, with the world that we have lived post-COVID, more and more of us, I think, realize that life doesn't have to fit into a particular box. And by going online, a lot of the technologies that have been made available to us in the last years and decades, you know, it's really made us realize that we can live any kind of life we want. And my thing is to go out and find unique people living special lives that I find interesting, but that also can positively affect the world and, you know, change and whatnot. So when I heard your story, which we'll get into in a minute, I just was like, you know, really fascinated. And you know, from our first conversation, I hit the nail right on the head when you told me that you live in Alaska. But before we jump into that, Brian, give us a little background on who you are. You're an investment professional. Give us a little bit of your background. I started off as an entrepreneur, like a lot of kids shoveling snow and, you know, doing the odd jobs around the house. And, and I grew that in, in high school, I started a little asphalt company and doing the seal coating. And by the time I got out of high school, I had about a half a dozen trucks and, you know, I was the only native English speaker in the group. And, uh, you know, I really love business and making money and doing fun entrepreneurial things and grew that through college, went to college in upstate New York, and then afterwards moved back to my birthplace of Houston, Texas, got my MBA at Rice University and really wanted to do more in finance. So 
I started go, moving to Mexico City. Several friends of mine and I bought a little pink sheet company at 20 cents a share with the idea of doing a roll-up of Latin American telecom companies. So three years later, we merged in six companies. We were doing $150 million in revenue, and the stock on the NASDAQ was up to 24. So I had the good luck of cashing chips in just before the dot-com bust. Wow, nice. That's wonderful. And so then I did two things. First of all, I started a little Finnerer registered broker dealer based in Houston. And for 13 years, we did oil and gas and real estate deals. In fact, we were the first retail group to handle the Heinz REIT many years ago. Uh-huh. And so I, then I ended up selling the firm in 2013 to one of my employees. But I still have all my licenses here 22 years later. And I'm currently with Great Point Capital in Chicago, which does a lot of retail real, real estate deals. The second thing that happened in 2000 simultaneously with starting the firm was I started angel investing and got involved with the Houston Angel Network. And I built this database of people that I've either invested with over the years or shared deals with. And that's now 30,000 people. Wow. We used to meet at the Yale Club in New York City five times a year. We'd have eight or 10 little companies that would pitch to the group. We funded about 300 million worth. And then when COVID hit, everything went online. So the short story is we're doing a Zoom call the last Thursday of every month, at, starting at noon Eastern, we alternate real estate on the odd months. So next Friday, the 29th, will be our real estate conference for an hour and a half. And then on the even months, we do technology. So love to get you and network and folks out there involved. No cost to join us as, as an investor. Yeah, no. Well, there will be a link in the podcast uh, subject line with your info as well as a link to your network. And that's right. That's how we first got introduced was as I found this, you know, Starlight Capital is one of the firms that you, is that what runs the network is the Starlight Capital. And and what really fascinated me was when we had our first call, we get into the talk about real estate. You know, I always ask, well, where does, where do you live? And you don't live in Houston anymore or in Kansas, Toto. Where are you at these days, Brian? I'm living in Alaska. And I think the dream started back in 1988. I remember seeing an Apple, a Mac ad, and this guy was out on his back porch and there was this little cable that went from some device in front of him into his house. I'm thinking, looks like the guy's working outside. This is amazing. (laughs) I can't wait to do that. At any rate, fast forward, my wife and I took a cruise to Alaska in 2002 and just fell in love with the, the blues and the greens. I came up with my dad a couple times after that to do some fishing. And in 2007, I plunked down some money for a piece of remote land, five acres. It's about 45 miles northeast, northwest of Anchorage, which is the nearest road. So we're completely remote. We started that originally to take get a break from the heat from Houston in the summers. And then when the kids moved off and, you know, right about the time COVID hit, we said, Let's do it full time. And to the extent we can, we'll just travel warmer places in the winter. So we've been up here now several years and just love being outside and love the environment. So obviously, and this is going back to, you know, some of my other episodes, I talk about ESG. So I always get interested in in the topic of off-grid living, you know, and, and more and more, I think just from a resourcefulness and like being able to survive point of view, you see people building gardens, you see people raising things, you see a lot more going back to, you know, self-contained life. But this idea of being off-grid, you're 40 miles from the nearest road. So, like, does that mean you have to fly in? I mean, how do you get there? Luckily, I'm a pilot. 
And so I have a float plane. So, you know, when we're getting low on groceries, the wife says, go fly to town, get some groceries, get back here tonight for cocktails. So it's a little bit of an ordeal. I've got to fly actually to one lake at dock there, get in my car, drive 45 minutes to the nearest, you know, Walmart town, load up and kind of reverse course and, you know, get home before the winds pick up. Wow. And is it, I mean, do you ever get caught up? I mean, where, you know, you, is that a regular thing? I mean, I, I'm assuming that you're somewhat susceptible to mother nature living out there. I mean, you really get a sense of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, when you fly in Alaska, there's two things. One thing you have to have is a 70, basically a 72 hour survival bag that the state makes you have because that's right, things could happen. And then I always bring my own kind of personal 24 hour bag. They would have a change of clothes, a computer, because there's quite a few times where I get stuck for weather and I'd have to kind of hang out one night and then the next morning things have cleared up and go back. So a lot of unpredictability. In fact, this is probably one of the few places in the United States where we're not the top of the food chain. Right. Well, speaking of which, I mean, I'm assuming you must believe in having some guns around while living up there. There's you, you got to, right? I mean, are you warning? Do you actually have visits from bears and stuff on a regular basis? Do you have any that you've named or anything? Well, you know, the thing is with the bears, when they come around, you know, we love it when they're visiting. We love it when they walk through. But the problem is the second day because bears are very nosy and very curious. And if they don't get any pushback the first day, they're starting to destroy things the day two. Right. And so you ask them nicely to move along. And if they don't, then they go in the freezer. Well, that's pretty direct. That's right. What is So what's it like there? Now, you're not, are you full-time there? Or are you only there during the summer months? Well, you know, we started off with just summer. And of course, with COVID, I mean, everybody got locked down. So we didn't feel really a need to go anywhere, even if we could. Sure. And I think with those two winners out here, we really love you know, being alone. Now that means on October 1st, you need to have seven to eight months of supplies ready to go because there might not be resupply until the lakes fall late May. So that's been something we've had to work through to make sure we've got enough supplies. But otherwise, yeah, we love it. And I think as, as the world gets back to normal, we'll probably do a little more some trips my wife went last week to see her family in the bay area so she's gotten out a little more than i have lately and so you actually had leave your car parked in town at another lake where you would you know yeah. and so your home parking is the seaplane i'm assuming that and then you have that in a boat kind of like in a, in a boat dock or in its own hangar on the water or does it just freeze in when the lake freezes or how do you handle that Right. So what happens is around October 1st, I'll take it into my mechanic in town and he'll store it for the winter. Uh, And then I'll pick it up again in the spring. And of course, to get around in the winter, since all the lakes and rivers are frozen, we have snowmobiles and sleds behind them and all kinds of things. So our mobility changes over, you know, what's now frozen, the hard water. Wow. And and I think that uh, Laura had mentioned to me that you have, uh, I think, two people as your that live in, within a 10 mile, other than the two of you, it's like a population of four within a 10 mile radius. Right. Is that right? That's right. And Laura's here now. So Great. On Come on in, Laura. She'll tell you, she'll tell you about the neighbors. Oh, great. Awesome. I can't wait. To- Hi. Hi, Bill. It's Laura. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for calling. Great. I am so, we're right in the middle of hearing about the Alaska House 
and, you know, kind of the, like what it's like to live out in the middle of nowhere. And why don't you tell me, since you're off-road, off-grid, 40 miles, how do you power? How are you on the phone with me on internet? How are you running an investment business? How do you do all that from being off-grid? Brian, he was in the telecom business for a long time. And so he built a 120-foot tower here. Oh, really? We had a little hand-churning thing to do the cement and the rebar, and he got two nimble, uninsured people to come out at 10 below zero one March and they put up a 120 foot tower and it has a one kilowatt, a one kilo wind turbine and 10 solar panels and internet and telephony and all sorts of other antennas. And I got to tell you, it's, we've been, there have been adjustments over time. Oh, I'm sure it's been, you know, the first couple of years, Brian was doing his business, wearing a parka and standing in an unheated power shed. So, Oh my golly. What an experience. And who's, whose idea was it something that you guys came together on or was this something that, so how is it for you, Laura? Well, I think this, I joke that it was his midlife crisis. But it was definitely his idea. When he grew up in Chicago, his family had a 110-acre tree farm. So he went hunting and fishing with his dad, and he saw his mom canning jam. And I had no experience like this. Right. You know, When he came up with this harebrained idea, we lived on the 17th floor of a high-rise in Houston. Right. I never believed I'd live here. Wow. And obviously, you know, you love your husband. You've taken this on now for well over a decade. What's it been like for you? Well, I'm okay as long as I'm not bored. And certainly this life is not boring. But I was very nervous at first. I had to create a curriculum for myself so I could learn all of these skills. I became a master gardener. I became a permaculturalist, a master naturalist. I took botany classes, ethnobotany classes. I've really loved learning all of this stuff. And I think it's also changed me in that I have become more introverted than I was I like living alone. I like the silence. Brian and I are both good at entertaining ourselves, as we have to be. (laughs) I bet. So I think now it would be very hard for me to move back to a city or a suburb. There's something really life-changing about living such an intentional life in such a beautiful but challenging setting. Right. Right. And that's the thing that a lot, it's interesting. You, you know, you see a lot of the glamping and the, you know, the, the pop up of the interest in Montana and Yellowstone and a lot of the city folk trying to get little glimpses of what you have. I mean, I, I myself have done that. Just having a little taste of what you live. It's a big, it's a much different commitment to do what you do than to pop in, you know, to a, a remote destination for even a week or something. I, I just I acknowledge you for the chutzpah it takes. Well, chutzpah is true. I think adaptability is an issue too. You know, Brian and I have both lived abroad. We've traveled abroad. He speaks languages. We both are kind of constantly learning new things. So I think we probably had the right personality type. I think the kind of person who is more comfortable living and working, you know, corporate cubicle and being told what to do would find this very intimidating. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I I commend you for getting out of your comfort zone and for being a support and a great partner to Brian. You know, I mean, I'm sure he could not, he will say that he could not have done it without you. So what else would you, you know, before I want to ask Brian a few more questions about the banking side. 
What else yeah. might you want to share with us, you know, regarding this life, regarding, you know, because there is more, it's not just a desire to get back to nature, but we're coming to a place in society where it's almost a need, you know, we're, we're plundering the natural resources of the, of the globe at alarming rates. And, you know, you probably see some evidence of that just in the fact that the summers might last a little longer up there than they used to. And, you know, is there a message? Is there anything else that you would share with my, me or my audience that would say whether it's, you know, about this life, about what you've done? I don't know. Any thoughts? I'll put you right on the spot. I would say that although most people are not going to choose a life that we've chosen, but I think if they can be intentional, they can find a life that speaks to them. I mean, I think there are settings. Some people love the beach. Some people love the desert. So when they know they feel content, when they feel calmer in that setting, they might then ask themselves, what job could I have in that location? Or can I take my current job anywhere I want to go? And if so, where do I want to go? And then the other issue is, how do you pay for it? You know, how do you simplify your life? It might be really cheap to live like the old minor 49ers, but we had to pay upfront for everything so that we could have telephony. You know, it cost us $12,000 to dig a well. It cost us about $12,000 to create that power tower. So instead of paying utility bills each month, we had to pay it up front. So I think if people plan ahead for where they are happy, they have an opportunity to try to achieve that in their lifetime. And I don't think it's impossible. That's so well said, Laura. And you're obviously setting the example, you know, just being in, being intentional is certainly a, a way of being that I strive for and it makes all the difference in the world. So thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. I'll give you back to Brian. Okay. Nice to talk to you, Bill. You too. So I, a couple more questions I want to ask you before we're done. First of all, you started this boutique investment bank you were mentioning. It was back around 2000 and right after you had cashed out. And then the sisters, the marketing company is the Starlight Capital. Mm-hmm. And you've got this, you know, this group of entrepreneurs, these conferences. You mentioned the Yale Club in person. How did all of that shift when you moved to Alaska? Before and then, how did it shift even further? And if at all, now the COVID hit. And do you miss the in person? Are you gonna? If were you doing the in person from Alaska? I mean, were you flying out of Alaska? Tell tell how things shifted first when you went to Alaska more regularly, then when you made the choice to go full time, and then and then how that maybe parallels or perpendicular to the COVID experience. Right. Well, you know, for so I started the event conference with a business partner in 2001 and in New York. Well, and actually we were in some other cities as well, but we just we really were focused on New York. And so it was a straight shot, a flight from, you know, Houston to New York. And I go in for the week and we'd get it all prepared. And then we'd spend a day or two afterwards debriefing, meeting folks, you know, doing all that stuff. And so, you know, that went fine up until probably around 2008 or nine, we had bought this place about a year or two ago. This contractor had started building our cabin. And now all of a sudden, we're kind of thinking, well, this is kind of neat. Let's try to start spending some more time up here. So the first thing I did was built that that 120-foot steel guy-wired tower for satellite internet so that I could have connectivity you know, 24-7, 365. Now, you know, in the first couple of years, I was still based a lot in Houston and 
for a few years, I still did travel to New York because it's a direct plane flight from Anchorage as well. But once we started getting closer to COVID and we were more set and we had redundant equipment. So for instance, I'm getting my cell service from a cell tower that's 40 miles away, but I put this repeater up on top of the tower and it gets a great signal, but it took several years to learn that. And I have backup computers. I have backup, you know, everything in case something goes down. So I think when we did the shift to Zoom, because we had to with COVID, I think everybody was pretty understanding of the fact that this is going to be the future for some time. I probably lost half of my database that at the time was 100,000 people that I was inviting in my you know in, in email list. So half just pretty much went away, disappeared, don't know what happened to them. You know, they moved, their companies went out of business. I don't know. But now, even though we're, you know, a third of the size we were in terms of uh, database a few years ago, now that we're full-time Zoom and full-time here, we do a lot of rehearsing with technology. I try to get people on my team that are as technology savvy as possible. I have four women that work for me full-time that help with the administration and put this stuff together that know a lot more about technology than I do. And, but it definitely has been a challenge and you're always thinking a couple steps ahead. What if this goes down or the computer goes down or something happens? What's the backup? So it takes a lot of planning. I feel very related to you in that sense, because I like, we're both independent entrepreneurs. I always work from home. I always travel for my work, work from anywhere. And so you know, I was using Skype and before Zoom was around. And when COVID came along and now it became a forced thing, it was like, okay, well, everyone else can welcome to my world. Exactly. Well, what advice do you share with people who, you know, may not want to move as remotely as you, but do want to conduct a business from a vocation home while they're traveling? Like, you know, someone who, you know, wants more freedom in their life, like maybe wants to be in a rural location half the year. What worked? Maybe give us some ideas on what worked for you, what mothers, others might emulate, what mistakes you might have made that others could avoid. Any any thoughts in that regard? Yeah, my summary is rent before you buy. Yeah, yes. In other words, because I tell people, you want to experience this, well, go rent a place, you know, Airbnb or whatever you're going to do and try it for a month or a week or whatever, mm. however long you can do it. But commit yourself to doing it and whatever ways in which you're going to limit yourself, like you're not going to drive or you're not going to, you know, eat out every day or whatever it is to make your life a little simpler. Stick with it and find out what works for you and what doesn't. We find that when people run towards a goal, they do well. When they run away from a goal, doesn't always turn out quite as well because they haven't really thought about what they want. They were just thinking about what they wanted to get rid of. So rent first, then buy. Great advice. Great advice. And obviously it helped that you came from a telephonic background. I mean, it's not everyone that can go out and has the resources or even the knowledge to build a cell tower or any kind of radio tower anywhere. Right. So I was putting up telecom infrastructure all over Latin America. And so when I came up here, Everybody said, oh, well, there's no phone system out here. There's no way to get anything. And I just smiled and said, okay, you know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, a few months later, it was all working great. And they were like, 
oh my gosh, what did you do? Tell us how you did it. Right. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you're like the, you know, you, you certainly you can know. So yeah, are there, is there any plans to call your area Emersonville or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. I think it's just, you know, kind of Laura and Brian's little hideout and fun place to be. So, yeah, and- you know, we welcome, we welcome guests and family and it's been nice to have some friends come up and, and enjoy this little bit of heaven with us. Well, it sounds beautiful. I can imagine the long summer days and the aurora borealises that you must see. It just must be, you probably see more in one week. You know, you have more experiences in one year than people have their entire lifetime. And that's really fantastic because you've now made, you made a living that enabled you to do it. But a lot of people make a living and go out and make money, but they don't take, they, they don't take that next stab. They don't go out, put themselves out of their comfort zone and really, you know, and do something so unique. And I think it, it sets an example for also the purity that life can be outside of all of the technology and everything else, you know. Right. That's exactly right. In fact, we one of our sayings here is, if you want to hear a human noise, you have to make it. Right. You know, and we're so bombarded by billboards and robocallers and all this kind of stuff that when you're able to kind of get away from that, and really relax, the stress goes away, we sleep better, you know, your whole body reacts, we grow some of our own food, it just tastes so much better, you're spending less, we have a very low carbon footprint at this point, and all those things combine, at least for us, to make us real happy and feel like we're doing what we should be doing. Well, Brian, I may have to take you up on a visit some of one of these, maybe sometime next year or something, because uh, it sounds like heaven on earth. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much, Bill. And what I'll do is we'll send you Laura's blog about off-grid living, which is alaskauu1.blogspot.com. And that'll let your viewers see some photos and kind of imagine it and figure out, is this something they're interested in or not? If they are, Write us and more than happy to give them our two cents. Perfect. And then your website where people can get best get in touch with you if they want to hear about investor networking and anything on the that side of the business. Right. It's www.starlightcapital.co. Fantastic. And again, that will be also in the memo line of this podcast. And I'll have to get you on an upcoming webinar at some point. I think I'm booked all through the end of this year, but next year we'll have to get you on a panel or something so everyone can see your face. So. Well, thanks, Bill. And I look forward to introducing what you're doing to my group. It's all about networking and helping each other. So thanks again for having us on, Bill. My pleasure. It's all about the win-win and you know how that is. Have a great day. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. You too, Bill. Bye-bye. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.